Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, welcome back to the Invincible FC podcast. It's been and a today, while. we are discussing excitement, nerves, disappointment, all three of those things. <laughs> We're talking about it all. Are we? Um, so, I guess we'll start with the fun stuff, because why wouldn't you start with the fun stuff? U.S. men's national team are back-to-back CONCACAF Nations League champions. In fact, the only conference uh, CONCACAF Nations League champions. The only ones to ever win it. Um, and I got to tell you, the last one, while it was a more exciting match to watch, the, the last Nations League final, um, this one leaves me feeling a lot better about the team. Mm-hmm. I feel really good about where the U.S. is as a squad after this. Yeah, they, they I mean, they, they washed Mexico and then we beat Canada pretty comfortably as well. So the team is looking stronger than it has as, as at least more promising than it has in a long, long time. As a squad, it absolutely is. Yeah, I think I think everybody deserved props for how they played there. There are a lot of people that I think um, from the World's Cup, which was really the last time we, we saw the full team. Um, there were a lot of criticisms, obviously, for, for how they played. And of course, it's more difficult competition at the World's Cup. But uh but you have to give credit to really everybody. There was nobody in particular that that played poorly. Guys stepped in after the red cards. Um, overall, as a, as a squad, in terms of the actual quality of the squad um, and, and the players, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. Um, obviously, there's there was more news that came in, but um, in terms of actual how actually how they played on the pitch, those two matches, absolute dominance against a supposed rival in Mexico, who are not really on the U.S.'s level right now. And then against a, a, a Canadian team who won who won the the qualifiers, they won the oct. They they did, and they they didn't look like they they would have even made that, um, given how they played. They they were run out of the park. Alfonso Davies did his best to do to do something for them. Uh, Ismail uh, Kone for Watford, he did pretty well. Otherwise, I thought Davies had a horrible game. You thought he did? I I thought the. There were no. I, I mean, I think he is at base level just better than all those right, American right, players, right. and probably better than all of the American players as well, to be honest with you. But I thought that for his level and for his capabilities, I mean, he was muffing crosses and dribbling the ball out of bounds. He did a lot of things yeah. that I was like, "Whoa, he is looking like a U10s footballer out there right now." <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that that he had a great performance. I think it was more just that he did his all and he worked his his hardest because, you know, yeah. he, he was relied on so heavily to to carry that Canadian team past the U.S. and yeah, he he failed to do it. And I, I thought he made a few good runs. Um, there was one that he he made a nice run down the line and then he actually dribbled it out of play. But uh, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard when the team relies on you that much. I do want to shout out Kone in the midfield. I thought he played well. He had this one unbelievable flick early on in the match. Uh, really impressive young player for Watford. Um, uh, so, I mean, Canada has definitely, you know, a bit to look forward to. I think their golden generation is going to start to kick in these next these next few years. We'll see what they do when they host the World Cup as well in 2026. Um, mm. But I think the story was about the U.S. And, you know, obviously, obviously Balagoon coming in and, just every player stepping up. I think Joe Scally stepped up really well in, in place of, of Sergino Dest. Um, yeah. I Overall, there's just really nothing bad to say about any player. No, nope. Brendan Aronson did a good job filling in um, in the absence of Weston McKinney. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a midfield that typically has uh, Musa McKinney and Adams, and this time mm-hmm. only had Eunice Musa, who, you know, and at club level plays half of his minutes on the wing. 
mm-hmm. and at 20 years old is so versatile and so capable of doing so many different things that he's playing as a you know an anchor midfielder in this game. He yeah. plays as the pivot. Like he is capable of so many incredible things. Yeah, he, and he had to play that because it was such an attacking lineup. Because you know mm. they're really missing a six. I, I thought Johnny Cardoso should have played, should should have started, at, at, or at least before the match, just because you needed that defensive uh, stability. Uh, but Musa really did a job in there, and he really did. And yes, that you know Musa McKinney and Adams is their their normal starting eleven, but or their their starting midfield. But I want to see Reyna continue to, to play in the midfield as that 10. I really do. I think he's better as a 10 than as a winger. Uh, he's, he's able to do more. He's able to drop in deeper and, and make those, those, you know, incredible runs we've seen time and time again. And uh, I think he, his potential can be unleashed a lot more uh, in that midfield. And I mean, he showed it with two incredible assists. Oh yeah. No, he played great. Yeah. Uh, Reyna played fantastic. Uh, definitely lots of props need to go to him. Not only for, um, you know, playing so well and, you know, being the talented young player that we've all seen him be for both for the U.S. and for Borussia Dortmund more mm-hmm. so, to be honest, um, but for bouncing back from mm-hmm. what was a very difficult winter for him. Yep. Um, it does seem that, you know, he maybe isn't to be absolved of blame, particularly for his actions at the World Cup, which were maybe not ideal of a team member. Right. But, I mean... <clears throat> Watching after, especially after that Balogun goal there, to see how he and Reyna are laughing at each other, like, ha ha, we slunk that ball through, like, we did it. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly back in the fold. Yeah, he's clearly back in the fold. I don't think anybody's harboring any resentment to him. I think he was surrounded by a lot of adults. I mean, Gio Reyna is 20 years old, 19 years old, he's mm-hmm. a young kid. He was surrounded by a lot of adults who were making really poor decisions, right? Behaving selfishly, and that, that doesn't just go for his parents. for for Coach Burhalter to speak out in the way that he did mm-hmm. was inappropriate. Uh, everything about that situation, particularly from the adults around him who were, have been leading figures in his life for a long time, was just wildly inappropriate. And it's just good to see him on the field playing well and enjoying football because at his age, that's what he deserves to do. Absolutely. It's it's very hard to deal with all that background noise, especially you know for an, for an inexperienced player, for somebody who doesn't really have the veteran uh, you know sense in him. Um, and he really drowned out the noise, especially after the World Cup, even after everything was was, you know, starting to take fold and and even blowing over. He he balled out on the pitch for Dortmund. He really did in the second half of the season. He he helped them make that push towards towards, you know, winning the Bundesliga, which, of course, fell short. But I mean, even on the final day, he had two assists to, to give them a shot. Um, but overall, it. it yeah, he's he's really turned a corner, and I think I, I think he has the highest ceiling of any U.S. player. I do. I don't know if I agree with you now that Balogun's in the fold mm. because I think he is capable of being world class. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think of the born in America, actually American Americans. <laughs> um, not to say anything about Anthony Robinson or Fuller and Balogun or Musa, but they all have British accents. <laughs> it is all tough. three of those guys have British it accents. Surprises me every time I hear it. Yeah, it's weird, especially Eunice Musa, because like Anthony Robinson, like I know he's English. Fuller and Balogun, I know he's English. Like Eunice Musa, he could have played for like Spain, yeah, or something like that. And then he's like talks, and he sounds like he's like straight out of London. Yeah, like dude, what? <laughs> but they're all great players, and we're glad to have them. Yeah, um, but I think of the born within the fifty contingent United or the forty-eight contingent United States, and capable of really playing the ball. 
Gio Reyna probably does have the highest ceiling. Hey, don't Kirk get on Hawaii is probably the best formed player of the group so far, but Gio Reyna definitely is capable of some things that we haven't seen him accomplish quite yet. But I am curious to see, does he stay at Dortmund? Is there a move mm-hmm. to, to be made for him? There's a lot of exciting things in that kid's future. Definitely, definitely. Um, one one more shout-out I just want to make is to Chris Richards. I think he balled out these last two matches. He yeah. you know, he struggled to to make appearances in the Premier League this season, but he played very well when he did. Um, and I I think he's the U.S.'s best defender. I still think John Brooks should come back, but I think he's he's the one defender, or at least the one center back that should be um, locked in place in that starting 11. I think he is so good, and he scored a great header. I think it's his first goal for the U.S., uh, but he is just rock solid at the back as well. Yeah, it was his first goal. Um, he he has sky-high potential as well, I think. I mean, he started next to a white guy, with a, a blonde white guy with a man bun in this game. And I think that in our best lineup, he does also start next to a blonde white guy with a man bun. <laughs> but it's just maybe a That's different blonde one. white guy with yeah. a man bun. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that Chris Richards and Tim Ream as a center back pairing for the United States would be quite fearsome. Right. I don't think I don't think Ream will stay there though for very long because he's old. I think. I think yeah, you're out. probably right. Yeah. Probably right. But then again, I mean, he's 35 and just had the best year of his career. So mm-hmm. what's to say he can't get better? True. True. Um, I think the the curiosity for me lies in what's to happen with the midfield now that you've got four incredibly talented players vying for three spots. Um, do we see more of uh, McKenny Musa and Adams like we did at the World Cup? I mean, I, and this is leading us into our next topic. Mm-hmm. Um, do we see Gio Reyna force his way in there somewhere? And who gives way if he does? Um, because there's not really clear answers to any of those questions. Um, we should touch briefly before we flow into the final topic of this podcast on Fuller and Balogun mm-hmm. and how well he played over, over the both of the matches. Uh, I know he, he scored one goal over the course of the two games, um, but, I mean, one goal in two games is a good return for a striker. Uh, he played well. Um, the goal he did score was phenomenal bit of quality, and I thought he was responsible for a lot of off-ball movement and creative passing that, that helped the U.S. build. I mean, every single person who looks at this team thinks they're a really talented young bunch. They just need a goal scorer. And yeah. now the U.S. has a goal scorer who can also fall back and lick up play and get involved in the buildup. And, I mean, he's capable of so many things. Yeah, I, I was a little worried, honestly, going into it. I, I thought, you know, he's another another player who had a great breakout season in France, and and who knows if he's going to fit into this system. Who knows, you know, what he's going to do um, in different – in a national team, back at Arsenal, um, wherever. I think um, – He's getting sold this summer. Yeah, he probably will be. Um, but – and he struggled a little bit just to get into the rhythm, I guess, in the first match, and that's to be expected. Um, he he, uh, he got a proper welcome to CONCACAF. Yeah, I know. Too. <laughs> yeah, almost took, almost took his legs off. Uh, Seriously. But – yeah, I mean, I, I I did like what I saw in that play that he had, had tracked back, and that was probably his highlight of the match. He he struggled to get on the ball, which is fair. He almost, you know, got slipped in a few times. Um, but then in the second match, he was everywhere. Um, and, you know, he made a statement that showed he should be the starting number nine, even after Pepe. Pepe is doing well. Um, he scored that goal against Mexico. But he Balogun was fantastic besides the goal. The, the goal was great. It was very clinical, but he had a shot cleared off the line. He was, he was getting into everywhere. I loved to, I just love to see that he, he, how hard he works for somebody who, you know, is such a high profile 
and, you know, just, just made this really, you know, big time move. Everybody's excited about him. Often players kind of get lackadaisical and they think, Oh, I'm the man I can, you know, I, I can, you know, I can afford to, to take some, some plays off. He works his ass off every single play. And I love to see that. Um, and he's always made an impact, even if he's, you know, struggling to get on the ball and against Canada, Canada, he, you know, he was able to um, do really well on the ball. And I mean, the sky's the limit, but I do still think Reina has more potential. Yeah. I, I love watching Balogun. I mean, his pressing work rate and just like up to defend from the front work rate is mm-hmm. better than Christian Pulisic's without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that anyone's beating Tim Weah in that realm of things just because Tim Weah is Tim Weah. <laughs> but um, I mean, Balogun, you're right. He does. He works his tail off. Um, he does everything he can to get himself involved in the game and, it really came off very well against Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's fantastic. The, the question in my, ma- in my mind now becomes, what will former and now future U.S. <laughs> men's national team coach Greg Berhalter do with him when he gets hold of this team? How is he going to fuck it up? Well, he's going to keep playing Jesus Ferreira. Oh, he is going to play Ferreira over him, isn't he? Honestly... People hate on him too much, to be fair. I think Ferreira's I, decent. Dude, Ferreira's a great player. He's not uh, bad. He's, he's, he's not a great player, but he's, he's a good player. player. He's, he's a good, good player. player. He's, 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 a, he's a decent he – uh, I mean, he's a good pass to the ball, but he reminds me of Alex Lacazette. Yeah. Lacazette, I mean, he what did he just – he almost, he was second in goals in Liga this year to yeah. Mbappe. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had an, a lights-out season, and he scores a lot of goals every time he plays in the French League where he feels comfortable. At Arsenal, he scored some goals, and then pretty much at the end, he was capable of scoring no goals. Mm-hmm. But he leaves, goes back to France, and immediately he's banging goals in. <laughs> his Ferreira is the same exact thing with the national team and MLS. In MLS, he bangs goals home. He goes to the U.S. men's national team. He's still good at linking the play up. He passes the ball. He, you know, he runs around. He looks like he's involved. He gets some shots, but he never scores. Uh, except against Granada. Well, yeah, Lacazette <laughs> scored two goals against um, Cardiff or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know what you mean. That's true. Yeah, some players just thrive in different environments, and, and I don't think he is that. But we also went off on a tangent, you know, from from, from Burhalter instantly to Ferreira because we know he's going to play him. Um, oh, my God, dude. Yeah, so. Dude, Ferreira is not really <laughs> the player to to go for there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I will note myself or I will mark myself notedly apprehensive about Greg Berhalter as coach. I think, I don't know. A lot of people are saying, I, I've heard a number of opinions saying, well, you don't know for sure that either any of the candidates were better than him. So we don't know, you know, you can't really criticize the appointment unless you can co- like prove that Patrick Vieira is a better manager than Greg Berhalter. And I'm like, I guess, but at the same time, like, we know this doesn't work. Yeah. We found out already that he doesn't work. The the team that just smoked Mexico and Canada is essentially the exact same team that went to the World Cup. I mean, you got mm-hmm. Balogun in there, but like you said, he didn't play that well against Mexico. Yeah. And we still smoked them. Yep. We killed him. And he had all those players at the World Cup. Every single one of them, but he didn't bring Chris Richards, or he did, and he didn't really play. Yeah, no, I think he's hurt. He's hurt. Okay, well, yeah. fair enough then. Yeah. But 
still, it it pains me to look at a team that against, you know, I mean, so yes, granted they, those were World Cup, those were two teams in the World Cup, but we played two World Cup teams in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Both Mexico and Canada were at the World Cup, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, Canada didn't do that good, but Mexico played all right at the World Cup. They did okay. Beat Saudi Arabia. Um, so it just it just hurts me to to think that like that shouldn't be the baseline is oh well you have to be better than Greg Berhalter like any of these guys is going to be different than Greg Berhalter it's a new look yeah yeah the thing is everybody's Especially with yeah a talented coach like Patrick Vieira who's got Premier yeah. League experience I mean he he's been he knows more about football than Greg Berhalter you can't convince me that he doesn't right yeah I think the thing about Vieira is everybody's criticizing. You know, he, he hasn't he hasn't done a great job as a manager of some of the top clubs, um, some some clubs in the top five leagues and all that. Um, I I don't care. I, I really don't care. I, it's the fact that Vieira has so much experience. He knows he knows at least how to manage a football team. Um, he he under yeah, his well, his New York Red Bulls team was really good too. Right, but it's also with with a team with a team like the U.S. is just or. An international team in general is a lot different than a club team, and managing it is a lot different. And I understand Berhalter has the experience doing that, but you have to understand that in an international team, you're not playing a system. You're playing the best players, putting them together, and telling them to play some football because there's there's not much chemistry in national teams compared to in club teams. Um, the U.S. has some chemistry, but but there's not as much you know cohesiveness on the pitch because they don't play with each other as often. So, so you, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to put out the best lineup, the best group of players, the best 11 players, you know, in their respective positions and, and tell them to play and, and yeah, implement, you know, a few strategies on the pitch, but you don't have to have this, this all encompassing system. So Patrick Vieira is a a player, a, a player's manager who can get the most out of everybody as individuals. He can, he can develop, you know, a lot of these players as individuals, which will lead to them being great players, you know, a great team. And yeah, I think, he can man-manage. Right, and that's off the pitch as well as on the pitch. and Which is I mean, where Greg Berhalter struggled. Right, and and he's absolutely not a player's manager, as we've noted. And we've already seen some some interviews of him, you know, already, already talking about how, oh, he hasn't, you know, making up excuses, A, and B, you know, talking about how, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been reaching out to some of the players that, that he left out or, or, or Gio Reyna. And, you know, there's already these broken relationships that they're trying to fix. There's already these, the these Reyna thing might be deeper than, than them just not talking to each other though, because if there's, if there's litigation going on, you're not allowed, really allowed to speak to each other. I don't think there is anymore though. Regardless, I, I don't, I don't know exactly what the details are. The point is there's a lot of issues going on with this and the U S needs to move on. And we saw with a very inexperienced manager and BJ Callahan, someone who's never managed a team before and just took over one of the, you know, the, the 13th ranked national team in the world. And they balled out. And that's not to say BJ Callahan should be the next manager. I that's think to say that anybody could, could, could lead this team to great, to new heights, to great places. Anybody can do it. And Burhalter is not one of those anybody's because he's been holding them back. So, the point is, it has so much potential, and it just hasn't been reached under under Greg. Yeah, no, I agree. It's yeah, it's bad. It just it just feels foolish. It really does. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say with that. It feels foolish. I think it's a money um, thing. You think it's a money thing? Yeah. Apparently, they just didn't want to pay it. 
I mean, can they pay it though? Because there's this whole thing about um, the the men's coach and the women's coach need to be making the same amount of money. So there's pay, so pay the women's coach the same. And what did you say? So pay the women's coach the same. Right. I mean, I agree with you. There. They're winning all these World Cups. Why not? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I agree team? with you there. Um, yeah, they need more tax money then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Um, just take a little bit of the military budget out and put it in the, the U.S. Soccer Federation. Dude, oh my God, we could take 1% of the military budget and all of a sudden we'd have enough <laughs> money to pay Mbappe. Yeah. Mbappe would be American tomorrow. <laughs> he goes to New York a lot. They can find citizenships in that. <laughs> one time switch. He passes his American citizenship test, does a one time switch. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, Polistic, you're sitting on the bench now. <laughs> no, no, he'd still bench Mbappe. Uh, no, nah. well, Mbappe would still get benched for Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, true. Um, but regardless, um, all right, Nate. I think we've picked this one good and dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, I guess, there's nothing to do for Greg Berhalter other than keep an open mind since he's going to be yeah. coach whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of all there is to say about it. Um, thanks for chatting this over with me. I'm really thrilled about yeah. a lot of stuff that we talked about. Um, yeah. Excited to see how it all plays out. Absolutely. I will see you soon. Talk to you soon, mate. Talk to you.